Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we take the national theater news and tell you why it matters to your tiny, broken, sad corner of the world. This is a bummer of an intro. Hey, Ryan. You know, you know, hey, Cassie. You okay up? over there? No, Cassie. I had to join another social media site today. Did you? And I'm just exhausted. Yeah, you know what? I feel that. So threads is a thing now and everybody's on it pretty quickly because you just have to have an instagram account okay which is great um and then i also kind of have to know social media stuff for my job in marketing it's kind of part of it but uh i did see a great uh uh tweet a great thread tweet thread post thread you gotta Red, I don't pin know. down the lingo, man. We gotta work on the lingo. But anyway, a post from uh, Anne Juliet Broadway that says, "What if Twitter got a second chance at life after Elon? That should almost be the start of Threads." <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I am now uh, all in on Broadway Thread. All right. Broadway Thread. Is it a sub thread like a sub Reddit? I don't know. See, I am bad at social media, so like, I never really twittered. Mm-hmm. Twittered, tweeted. Twittered, tweeted. I never tweeted, but I also never twittered. I think both are correct. Yeah, twittered in participating in Twitter in other ways. I never yeah. really did that. I think if you twittered, that's like scrolling. Right. Exactly, and that yeah. I have an Instagram, but I hardly ever post on it. Sure. I post on Instagram so that it goes to Facebook. Right. So that my grandparents can see pictures of my children. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I get you sad and tired over there. I'm eight months pregnant, so I'm feeling that. Yeah. Hey, Cassie, you yeah. win. I win. I also want to apologize um, for my audio. I noticed this with our last episode um, that you can absolutely like hear the AC running in the background um, of my sure audio, could. but I'm not going to turn it off. It's been in the 90s. My AC is barely keeping up as it is. And also yep. I'm eight months pregnant. Yeah, no, you uh, keep that going because this is uh, two talking heads. So we can just have whatever noise we have in the background. It's true. And it just kind of works. It just kind of like, works. Like, I could have my neck fan on. This audio could be worse. It could be way worse. I also love that you have a neck fan, and that's what you call it. Well, we are... I can say this because this episode will drop after we do this, but Chase and I are going down to Columbus this weekend to surprise our friend Griffin, um, who's performing in a version of Sense and Sensibility. Nice. Um, but it is an outdoor performance. Ooh. Now, it is an outdoor Ooh. performance at 8 o'clock in the evening, but th- that doesn't really matter. Um, and it's so July. It's July. And so in preparing my very pregnant self for a two-hour outdoor theater performance experience, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I bought a neck fan. Good, 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 good. Yeah. That's uh, a reasonable purchase, yeah. I think. Absolutely reasonable. Um I will not get to see uh, the Griffin Sense and Sensibility because uh, I have to go to. You ready for this, Cassie? Mm-hmm. I have to go to adult prom. I'm not sure I know how to 
parse out that phrase, Ryan? Yeah, me either. Adult prom? Yep, it's themed. Who is throwing this adult prom? Nazareth Hall. Will you have fun? I uh, Fun is something I will be attempting, for sure. <laughs> it is uh, Willy Wonka themed, and they did promise chocolate fountains. Okay, well then it could be worse. It could be way worse. The tickets are golden tickets. Of course. So it's going to be a fun night, but I have to go to that. So uh, I expect a full Sense and Sensibility report. I'm interested to see it because I saw this same script performed um, on our trip to Oregon a few years ago by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And I remember being impressed with the performances, but not super duper impressed with the script. So I'm interested to see if my opinion changes seeing it a second time in a different venue. It would be um, too much to call it the second best Jane Austen. Is it the third best Jane Austen? I'm asking the correct person. Sense of Sensibility as a novel? Like as ranking Jane Austen's novels? I guess ranking Jane Austen's stories. Ranking Jane Austen's stories. Um, Pride and Prejudice is the most famous. It is. is it's it not. Best? It's not the. It's not my favorite. Um, I like it. It's like my second favorite. But I really like Northanger Abbey, which is the one nobody's ever heard of. Um, that's my favorite of Jane Austen's. And then probably Pride and Prejudice. And then I think Sense and Sensibility and Persuasion are kind of tied. In my mind, after All that. Right. All right. I am not the Jane Austen expert. I don't know them. I think I know um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies better than Pride and Prejudice. Well, that's that's fair. I mean, just take away the zombies. Yes, exactly. And and you've got the rest of the story. Uh, we could, well, I say we, I could do a whole episode on adapting Jane Austen to the stage and why I don't think it has ever successfully been done. But I don't know how much you would contribute to that conversation. Not much. Uh, I would uh, offer uh, input that was largely unsolicited and uh, <laughs> unno- not knowledgeable in any sense of the word. I'll pull Beth in. We'll, we'll revive Ostentatious for a By the Ghost Light episode. Does it mean I just get to talk about Kira Knightley for a while? Um, only if That's you want fine. me to go on my 2005 Jane Austen diatribe. I mean... We have microphones for a reason. That's true. I've gone on my 2005 Jane Austen diatribe (laughs) with Beth for this podcast network before, and I'll do it again. We have theater news to talk about. We do have theater news to talk about. Do you want to start with the theater news or do you want to talk about strike, 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 strike? Do you have strike updates? I have a strike update. The Writers Guild is going on their seventh week as Mm -hmm. of this recording. I'm sorry. I can't do math at all. Their tenth week. That's a different number. Their tenth week uh, of striking with no end seemingly in sight. Uh, However, SAG-AFTRA and the AMPTP have voted to strike if the uh, negotiations uh, are not satisfactorily uh, completed by July 12th midnight on July 12th so this could get a whole lot more interesting slash complicated very soon very very soon very very quickly and of note 
SAG-AFTRA's members voted uh, to authorize a strike um, about a month or so ago, and 98% voted in favor of striking. Oof. Which is as unanimous as you can get in this world. Just about. So, we'll see how that goes, because this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Yep. There's not a lot more to add to that, but we are seeing uh, some shows go away, and some shows uh, get their starts on Broadway. It is that time of the summer. It is that time of the summer. So, this week in particular, we saw f- the closing of four plays. I think Which is normal. Uh, yeah, I which think is very normal. Some of these were scheduled ahead of time, so... There's always a lot of talk around the Tonys that like sometimes you need a Tony win or you need Tony recognition to help your show keep going. Um, that's not always the case. Sometimes things have a limited run. They've already got a scheduled closing date. But this week, Leopold Stock closed. The sign in Sydney Brewstein's window closed. Prima Fasci closed. And Fat Ham closed. I think all of those were already scheduled as well. I believe so. I, I believe Leopold Stad had already gotten an extension. Plays only run so long. There's only so much of an audience for plays because most of the people that go to New York to see a show want to see a musical. But what's really interesting to me is I think we're going to start seeing a lot of news of shows that are coming to Broadway, uh, transferring or going into theaters because there are quite a few theaters on the great white way right now that are are getting painted well there's a couple being renovated but there are uh several there's one two three four five six seven seven empty are currently or will very soon be vacant with no confirmed booking coming in behind them interesting yeah that is a lot it is. is significant and some of those are like closing in July or early August. Some aren't until September. But it's going to be interesting to see what's moving in to take the place of those those shows that are currently scheduled to close or to wrap up their limited engagements. And it'll be interesting to see what else announces closings. Mm-hmm. In the wake of, of Tony Grosses. The Tony bump from the Grosses is a real thing mm-hmm. because people have seen it or on the Tony Awards or they talk about it or they win awards. They're like, oh my gosh, I guess now I know what shows to see. When there's plenty of people that, you know, plan their summer trips around, well, I'm not going to go till after the Tonys because I want to go see the ones that won Tony Awards. That's, that's right. a thing. Right, yeah. So, so. Um, I guess everybody's going to go see Shuck. Because Corn Show won a Tony. Corn Show for the win. Corn Show for the win. We're going to keep saying it until Chase makes a shirt. 100%. Um, But we do have Back to the Future opened in previews this week as well. And has apparently done very well for its first week of previews. It has. uh, Everything about it looks great. It is technically a transfer from the West End. True. True. Yes. So that helps a lot. Like it is not in the, it 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 is not figuring itself out here on Broadway. No, it's already gone through some of that like workshopping process, and it's already known. Um, people know about it, and it's got some big names attached to it, which also helps. Roger Bart is the big one, but more exciting to me than Back to the Future opening is what's happening in theater on the West Coast, Ryan. 
because what also is this week on the West Coast. Rogers the musical debuted at Disney Hollywood. Rogers the musical you mean um they finally did a bio musical for half of Rogers and Hammerstein? Yes. I'd watch that. I'd watch that too. Only half. That's the interesting half. No, uh, Rogers the Musical, the parody joke um, single song, Haha, Wouldn't This Be Funny from the Marvel TV show Hawkeye, is now a full length, full fledged musical being staged on a stage in Disneyland. They committed to this bit so hard, and I respect. I respect it it so much. They committed so hard that they have two people play Steve Rogers because they have to switch. They have they have little bitty Steve and they have They show the body transformation. Serum Steve. I love it. I'm I adore this. Like Where's the bootleg? Give it to me. Give me a pro shot. Give me a pro shot of (laughs) Rogers the musical from Disneyland. How many people are going to Disneyland to see Rogers the oh, Musical now? Not zero. For sure. Like not zero. I didn't have a huge interest in ever going to Disneyland, but now I do. Exactly. Unfortunately, I just now see I'm this. also eight months pregnant. There is that small so, uh, hiccup. Uh, yeah, Rogers the Musical is a thing. It is an hour. I'm not sure exactly what it's I'm not quite is. sure. Most most of the time shows like this are max an hour. The yeah. shows at theme parks are, are not usually super long because they want people to do many, many things in a day. They want to get as many people through as many things as possible. I've seen a few clips here and there. I like that they they're apparently using like the USO girls as kind of narrators moving you through the action from what I've seen and picked up. So it's so it's not a Greek chorus, it's an American chorus. It's an chorus. American chorus. Um, but they it. use the canonical song from the movies, The Star-Spangled Man with a Plan. Good. As also part of that, like, moving the narration forward with these USO girls. Good. It's literally right there. Exactly. Yeah. If you have to write Rogers the Musical, like, you already, you know, blew the doors off with the one song, right? Like, yeah. they can't all be bangers that you come up with for the theme park musical. Like, this is this is crazy. I just I wanted love to transfer so to much. Broadway. I need the prophecy to be fulfilled. I don't even know how they do that. I don't like, either. How but... do you? I don't know. But it could work. Now I'm just thinking about Spider-Man. <sighs> no, no, no. They have to keep the low budgetness of it. Okay. Like they keep have the to keep Hulk in a hoodie. Okay. On Broadway with Broadway money. That has to be part of this. I love it. They do. Yeah, they treat it like Peter and the Starcatcher. Everything comes out of a trunk. Yes. Yes. I'm here for it. I'm, me too. I would very much like to see the rights for community theaters for Rogers the Musical. Yes, 100%. I'm a, completely in favor of this. Let's I will direct it. Rogers the Musical with her. I want to do theater. this so badly. This is the this is my new goal. This, this is what I want. Let's do this it. Is all Let's I make ever it happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Jumping around a little bit more, going across the pond, I have a couple of all pieces. All over the place. All over the place. I have a couple of pieces of theater news coming out of the West End. Well, can we stop back over? Can we pull the DeLorean over and go back to Back to the Future for a second? Sure. Because I read something that I wanted to point out. 
because we talked a lot about the different uh, modern technologies going into Broadway shows now. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Back to the Future uh, press release that every show gets, and it lists their stars and um, where it came from and how it was developed and who put money in and everything. Um, on the technical side of it, they talk about the director. It's John Rando. He's won Tony's. And they have uh, a design team that's won a bunch of Tony's and Olivier's and whatever. They have uh, one guy did set and costume design, which is kind of cool. Um, lighting design, sound design. Uh, there's a video design that is what they're calling sense. it. So for projections, which is, I mean, it's Back to the Future. That makes sense. They have a choreographer. Uh, they talk about the music and the orchestrations, dance arrangements, music direction, yada, yada, yada. What they do specifically call out illusions by Chris Fisher. Huh. I don't know, I don't know what, what that, that means. means. Is there magic in this it, show? Is there like close up magic? I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. But it's enough that it's listed. Interesting. For a brief moment, I thought they meant illusions somehow as projections or video work. But that is listed separately. So I don't know. That's, That's interesting. Uh, just a, a little point of interest that we'll come back to when we talk about Back to the Future after we both see it. Because we'll both obviously see obviously. every show we ever talk about. <laughs> Tell you what I don't really want to see, though. You don't? Uh, uh, oh, man. This, is, this could be a long list. Cassie. Oh, it is a long list, things that yes. Things that I know you don't want to see. I know you don't want to see... Um, any local theater company trying to do cats. Well, that is true. I also don't want to see any professional theater company doing cats. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but you're you're in the right ballpark because it is Andrew Lloyd Webber related. Ah, uh, we cannot go an episode without bringing up our good friend and pal Andy. Well, that's because he's at it again, Ryan. What is he? He's at what again? There Writing is... uh, show-stopping musical numbers that inform and transcend the popular zeitgeist because phantom of the opera is so stupid important there is a production that is opening in the west end it is a production of the wizard of oz but there are new songs oh no penned by andrew lloyd weber why and tim rice okay listen andy's gonna andy andy's gonna andy tim I'm just talking to Tim now. Tim, 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 come sit, please. This is an intervention. Tim Rice, who listens to our podcast. Yes, famously. We know him. Uh, Tim, you can do better. Please do better. Please do better. And speaking of Andy, who's going to Andy, there's another famous Brit who's going to do his thing as well. Kenneth Branagh is going to Kenneth Branagh. And he is. is, at this point, Branaghing all over King Lear. Which he, he is, is directing yep. Yep. and starring in. Yep. Well, he is contractually obligated to do both. He cannot only do one. <laughs> right, exactly. And I just remember he, he famously did a movie version of Hamlet in the 90s. That thing has got to be at least 25 years old at this point. Yeah, I think it was in the 90s. And the, the main criticism of it, apart from the fact that it was five hours long because he didn't cut anything. He did not cut anything. I have, look, I have great respect for the man. He, he didn't cut a word. 
Not a didn't cut a darn thing. Um, Every single word. <laughs> but one of the biggest criticisms was that he was really too old to play Hamlet when he did that. And I'm feeling well, there's that too. I'm feeling the opposite way about this. I don't think he's old enough to play Lear. Huh. Well, you know, you got you make a fair point because you know how old Kenneth Branagh is. I don't, but I feel like it's not old enough to play Lear. Sixty-two. That's not old enough. He's got to have what? You got to be old enough to have three adult da- daughters, yeah, you right? You could have three adult daughters at the age of sixty-two. I will. I will give you that. As long as his hair is not blonde. <laughs> fair. Uh, but right? yeah, this is opening in London on the West End, and in autumn of twenty twenty-four. This is already slated to transfer to Broadway. That seems right. Honestly, like if anybody was going to get to take their leader to Broadway, it was going to be him Um, because Ian McKellen already had his shot and Kenneth Branagh seems like the next one to do it, kind of. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Come on, Kenny. What if, uh, okay, all right, how about this? What if, what if he plays Lear? But it's actually Detective Poirot with the mustache playing Lear. You know, I and would it's pay. Actually, I would pay money to see that dinner theater murder mystery on Broadway. One hundred percent, give it to me. Hundred percent, love it. I would love that. And deeply. it's I I love that very very much. Let's do that. <laughs> it's not going to be worse. Anyway, those are yeah. most of the Broadway highlights that caught my eye as i was scrolling yeah. through preparing for this podcast episode we can go back with our good friend tim because our good friend tim had a show open at the muni yes he did he did it is uh his most famous work obviously um chess if you ever wanted to see chess played with 3d projections you can now i'm here for that it looks Better than it has any right to. I've seen it done a couple of times to varying degrees of success where you have like a very small intimate scene on a giant stage and then somewhere you have a camera on one of the actor's faces and that is being live streamed to a screen somewhere so that you see the action on stage but then you also get the giant close-up of the person and it's like a live movie almost. It's very weird and it very rarely works Apparently they're doing it here for at least part of it. And this feels like it might be a time that it works because it's literally people sitting at a table playing chess. I could see that. Um, I have traumatic memories of that though. Cause I stage managed a production in college that did that and it did not work. Yeah, I bet the technology is better now. The technology but... is better. I will say my only like personal story involving this musical is that there's a beautiful song in it called Anthem. Mm-hmm. And in middle school, I think, my middle school choir learned it for like a Veterans Day assembly. And I'm the only one sitting there going, this song is about Russia. Sure is. It's actually um, a uh, spinoff of, I think, Rocky Four. It's Rocky Four, but if it was played with chess, not uh-huh. boxing gloves. Yes, it's the same thing otherwise. Sylvester Stallone is in it. Actually, I would love to see that. <laughs> hey, Tim, can you call up hey, Sylvester Stallone? Tim, Tim Rice has got to have, have an idea. some of the wildest 
writing partnerships though in the business because he's got as we just talked about he's got wizard of oz with andy and yep. you know he he wrote aida with elton john sure did and he's of course partnered with steven schwartz on some disney things he's partnered with alan menken on some disney things and chess he partnered with uh abba so for uh what is certainly abba's most famous musical. <laughs> yes without question I just I love I love the the idea that Tim Rice will partner with anybody. He'll work he'll do anything once. He'll work with anybody once. But it will go to Broadway and it will be immortalized forever. Speaking of being immortalized forever, Guys and Dolls, you know, immortalized Marlon Brando's voice. And now we have a fully immersive production of Guys and Dolls in London, which seems weird to me. That's not the show I would have picked to do a fully immersive production. Like, we're also getting news of a fully immersive cabaret production, and that one makes sense. I can get behind that. Don't know why we need a fully immersive Guys and Dolls. Nobody asked for it. No, but I am very intrigued by this move to more and more more immersive theater. And how can we look at, at theater in a different way? Like, getting away from the strict proscenium separation of actors and and audience um i saw i'm looking at the pictures from the immersive and it's basically in the round basically yeah um it feel it, it feels a little i'm there's a short video as well that i found on theatermania.com uh it feels a little bit almost almost wwe like yeah i i with the audience clear up to kind of get that vibe. race platform yeah it's very interesting um, I would like to experience it. Um, it is no secret that I really, really like Guys and Dolls. I don't know why we have this, but, um, you know, whatever it takes to get some of these classics, uh, some new life, that's fine. But there was a wildly successful Guys and Dolls revival just a couple of months gonna ago. I was going to say, yeah, not long ago. Not long ago. But Philippa Sue couldn't keep it going because she had to go do Camelot. Yeah. And, we, and that worked out so well. I'm, but I'm looking at these pictures, and apart from the audience being all the way around the stage, is that all it takes to make something immersive? I'm not sure. Now, my understanding of the cabaret production is that part of the the idea of it is that you they want the audience to show up early and be in the cabaret, like order right, drinks that makes and sense be present, to me. like that. That makes sense. And then you basically sit and watch the show in the round like this. I don't know how they do that with Guys and Dolls. I guess you could do the hot box. Like you're yeah. at the club or you're at the whatever. Like, you're at the speakeasy, the underground. Yeah, especially since it's in London. And maybe they can say, hey, look, it's immersive New York City. And we're showing it in London. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of um there's a production that the national theater did a few years ago a production of midsummer where they did something similar where the audience kind of surrounded the action but in that show the stage was modular okay and the stage crew was actually like moving and changing the stage configuration in the middle of the action so, like, there would be whole sections where they would have to, like, shoo audience members because everybody was standing. It was, like, standing audience. 
Okay. And so they'd be like, okay, you in this section, you need to move because we have to move this piece of stage where you're standing. Interesting. And it was kind of fascinating to watch. There's a pro shot of it. They also gender swapped uh, Oberon and Titania. If you've seen pictures of that production, it was it's Gwendolyn Christie playing Oberon. Beautifully. Delightful. I forgot about that. Beautifully. I about that. I don't know. I feel like London is allowed to push some of these boundaries a little bit more than Broadway is. Mm-hmm. Like they they are allowed to kind of try new things and take that risk. Whereas I feel like if yeah. Broadway shows tried to do that, it wouldn't work. They would flop. Oh, it would flop. Absolutely. And you get some trial and error off Broadway and you get some at regional theaters, but I don't, it doesn't feel quite like this. I guess we'll see how any of that goes. Uh, there's talk of the cabaret show transferring to Broadway, but also talk of, of you know, uh, you, you have to renovate so much of a theater to do something yeah. like that. So how much, you know, money are people willing to put into something up front and yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's interesting. Like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child still hasn't recouped. Well, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child is a very expensive show. It is a very expensive show. And they spent a lot of money redoing that theater on the Great White Way. And it has been years now of that show being wildly successful and they still haven't recouped. It all comes back down to money. Yep. Money and all that jazz which is the name of the latest exhibit at the Museum of Broadway. Nice segue, Ryan. Thank you. Uh, dear dear listener, you can't see my my jazz hands. Neither you can, can I. can see my jazz hands. They are here. They are present. He's not making jazz hands. Uh, I am if you believe hard enough. Uh, the Museum of Broadway unveiled their new special exhibit, All That Jazz, The Legacy of Chicago. It's a retrospective of all 26 years on Broadway with a fo- uh, focus on uh, the iconic production photography and ad campaigns through the years. Um, so they, they pulled out a bunch of costumes and props and artifacts from the original production and B.B. Newworth, the original Velma, uh, opened the exhibit. Um, they had a bunch of different Velmas and Roxy's there. Uh, it was a whole thing and um, I just wanted to uh, bring attention to it because I was at the Museum of Broadway when I went there last December and it was absolutely worth it. And now there's another thing to see there. So this is your reminder that if you're going to New York City, you need to go to the Museum of Broadway. This has been Ryan's PSA. It's on my list. I really want to go. It's great. I loved it. Loved it so much. You might have to wait until you're not pregnant, though, because there are a bunch of steps. Also, because I'm hitting the point where I'm not supposed to travel anymore. There is that also. So you know how sometimes you do a show and you have a good time and then the show ends, you're like, oh, that was sad. And then an opportunity comes along for you to do the show again. I do. I've had that experience a couple of times. Then you do that show a second time and then you get asked to do that show a third time, but you got to wait months for it to actually happen again. This doesn't quite sound hypothetical, Ryan. But you have to travel to a different city to do it again this is very strange theater that i'm experiencing i'm not mad about it i'm very excited for it but it is weird so in case you don't speak cryptic ryan uh streetcar is going to states for octa yes we are 
It's a whole thing. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. We're all very excited to get to take it uh, one more time, one more place. Uh, we do have to go down to Cincinnati. Ooh, it's so uh, far. Throw everything into a couple of trucks and go down there for a couple of days. So we'll see how that goes. But we have to wait two months. It's not until Labor Day weekend. So we get like six or seven weeks off and then we'll have a handful of rehearsals again to get it back in our bodies so we can all be sad one more time one last time one last group sadness well congratulations thank you we got some really good feedback on it from the judges they really liked it um and then we were named the alternates to go to the state festival because our stella played by uh just an incredibly talented actress named marissa uh, did a one-woman show about Sandy Hook and gun violence Ooh. for another local theater. Um, so she won two outstanding acting awards in the span of like five hours. And her one-woman show beat Streetcar to go to states. <laughs> so we couldn't really be mad about it. No. Because it was incredible, devastating uh, to watch, like, this whole it was yeah even more so because marissa is a teacher by day Mm -hmm. so it all hit much harder but um yeah streetcar was named an alternate to go and then within a couple of days we found out we were for sure going um so that'll be fun we won a bunch of awards at the regional level and now we'll see how we do at the state level but it's really cool to to get to take this show that we all love to do a little bit farther um but also to kind of feel like we're getting to kind of show the whole state, you know, this is how this, this classic is meant to be told in a sense. Um, and it's very surreal to realize that the way that you are doing a character and doing a show is how so many people will think about that classic. Like that'll be the image they have in their head. Mm -hmm. Um, because that can happen anyway, but it, it, it feels very different when it's a classic like this. Yeah, I think there's a lot of validity to that because I've seen I've seen Midsummer probably eight or nine times in terms of like different productions, mm-hmm. but I still think about the very first one that I ever saw. Sure, like yeah. that one really sticks with me, and the only production that I've ever seen of Winter's Tale is how I will always think of that show. Sure. It's funny how it works. It's just funny how it works. Yeah. Well, and it it just gives extra voice to this idea that, you know, theater is meant to be performed. It's not meant to be read. And absolutely. If you just read Streetcar in an English class, that is such a different experience than seeing people bring it to life in front of you. Yes, very different experience. Also for the experience of being in it as opposed to just like, you know, standing up in class and reading the part you're supposed to read, mm-hmm. right? Or And giving it the full emotional breadth that it uh, deserves. So more to come on Okta. It is uh, still happening and we'll go from there. We are not doing new shows, either of us at this moment, but there will be more to come for sure. There will. I am in very soft prep for my next show. Yeah. Uh, which is? Which is all I really need to know. I learned in kindergarten. 
because it is a show that is a series of vignettes mm-hmm. um, that are slightly connected to one another, but you have permission within the script from the publisher and from the writer to do whatever you need to do to make the show fit your group. You can rearrange scenes. You can take them out. You can add extras in. There's a whole appendices at the back that has more little scenes and vignettes that you can plug in. It specifically says like, Hey, if you're doing the show with young people, here's some extra scenes that you can swap in to make the, the text more relevant to your students Mm -hmm. Um, and I really deeply appreciate that about this show. And so I am doing that preliminary work of deciding like, which of the vignettes do I want to do? Which ones do I not want to do? What order do I want to put them in? Like, what do I want my through line to be this time that I'm directing it? And, um, I think five or six have the option to also be songs, there's like a, okay. a musical version of the scene or you can do it straight performance. And so that's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of figuring that out as well. How much of that do you figure out ahead of time or after you have a cast? Um, some of both. So there's there's a couple songs that I know for sure that we're doing. There's a title song. All I really need to know I learned in kindergarten. There's a wonderful song that's supposed to be the closer called Reflect the Light. The problem is that there's no good place to listen to any of this music. And so you kind of have to like get the rights before you get the songbook and then you can kind of play through. And so that's kind of what I'm waiting on now is like getting the rights so we can get the music so that I can play through it and I can decide if I like the song enough to consider it. And then it'll be a matter of like who auditions and gotcha. what kind of gotcha. voices do they have? Because I don't want to. I don't want to do so much music that I need a full out music director and I don't want to do so much music that it turns away my kids who don't like musicals. Sure. That makes sense. The little bit that you can add is going to help tell the story. Yeah. So I'm doing that work slightly because my set designer wants to start working on designing the set. And before she can do that, I have to be able to give her the script. Sure. So I have to decide. I have to decide what the script is. I'm, yeah. I'm, A leads to B leads to C. <laughs> yes. And it's going to, I'm going to send off when I have it finished and finalized, I'm going to send a turn and be like, I'm probably going to be tweaking the order that these are in for a while, but these are all of the vignettes that we are doing. Gotcha. That makes sense. So that's my current project as I sit around being pregnant and hot all the time. Yep. Summer in Ohio. Woo-hoo. It's not great. Yeah. It is now July, which means I have turned my attention towards my next Gateway show because uh, I can order perusals because it is the new fiscal year. Haha. I was going to ask if you so, decided what you're doing yet. We, I have not decided yet. The way um, junior shows work is that you can order uh, perusal scripts um, uh, up to three uh, at the same cost, um, and they will... Um, mail you hard copies of the three scripts it's 20 bucks um but now um they will also uh send it to you digitally uh you can read it through their their app uh as well as listen to all the music through their app and that's actually free oh nice as long as you are uh, as long as you're a school yeah yeah it's free it's great um so the three that we have looked at for this year are uh guys and dolls jr 
um, Frozen Jr. and Mean Girls Jr. So uh, got to read through them and see what we're thinking. But uh, all would be good. We'll see. Yeah. That'll about wrap up this episode for us. Um, if you are following us on Patreon, guess what? You get to hear our voices one extra time this month because we have released Redacted. We totally, as of recording this, know what our Patreon episode will be. We're very confident. Yes. We know exactly what it is. No second guessing. No. In fact, we've already recorded it. It was so great. It's hilarious. You need to go listen. You need to be a Patreon so you can experience the wonder of that thing that we did. We are part of the Ghost Light Media Network. You can find all of the other fine shows at ghostlightmedia.net. Uh, you can find us, well, we're on Twitter right now. Maybe we'll be on thread soon. Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> at uh, By the Ghost Light Pod. Uh, and I think that's it for us. So uh, thanks for listening and coming along with us. My name's Ryan. My name's Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.